Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Matt Jogal is a New Zealand-born Melbourne resident who has released four studio albums. The latest, uh, I'm going to start that again. <laughs> I was trying to remember, remember what I said. No, let's start again. All right. I make you nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always nervous about doing a good job, Matt. Always. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, right. Matt Jogal is a New Zealand-born Melbourne resident who has released four studio albums, the most recent of which was last year's Between Tonight and Tomorrow, which won the Music Victoria Award for Best Country Album, as did its predecessor, Break, Rattle and Roll. Recently, Matt released a reprised version of the title song, and he's also been collaborating with Karen Fields on a forthcoming album. However, we are here to talk about his new acoustic album, The Woodshed Sessions, recorded late last year, which he also produced. Hi, Matt. How you doing? I'm very well, thank you. And I have been listening closely to the Woodshed Sessions and I have many questions for you, uh, but I'm going to start by asking, it was recorded on video as well and you debuted on YouTube last year. What sparked Ooh. the project? So I think we were touring in September um, with my friend Delaney Davidson and I brought out the Closer to Tomorrow EP, the reprise of Between Tonight Tomorrow. And... I don't know, I think it was like five shows. It wasn't that many shows. And I wanted to put a show on online for people maybe back in Aotearoa and people overseas. Uh, so I thought, let's do an online show. I think Karen suggested it. And I thought, okay. And that sort of built into like being professionally recorded and in studio and we had mics up and it sort of became a bigger thing than just you on your phone sort of taking a video of yourself playing guitar and we were really happy with how it turned out a lot of people tuned in and they enjoyed it as a one-off show uh but the, the recording was of a high level and we thought the performance was was sound so we thought well why don't we release this for people you know they obviously enjoyed it and we haven't done a live acoustic record before i haven't released one so you know, why not uh and then I had sort of a bit of time coming up in February to be able to put a show uh, in Melbourne to launch the record. And I thought kind of a surprise album would be nice where you don't build up with all the singles one after the next, after the next, which is the standard procedure these days and, mm -hmm. and totally makes sense. But I thought it would be nice to just drop an album on people and not even necessarily bring out an official single as such. I mean, we're doing a music video sliced from that whole concept uh, of Grand Ambition, uh, which we've sort of edited quite quite succinctly. With, so we've sort of touched it up a little bit. That'll come out uh, in time, or it may be out when this is. But it, um, otherwise, we've just, the record's gone out to radio, I think just a couple of days ago, uh, recently. And people are just playing whatever they like, which is great. Will the video, like the longer video production that you aired last year, have another life as well? It might do. Uh, it might do. You know, I think it was cool that people who paid tickets for that, they got to see that show and then that was it. It was like a one-off thing. 
So I might not. I might leave it like it was just a one-off event and then people who come to the show uh, to see us or have this record or on streaming services, they'll be able to hear it that way. Whether I release the whole thing again for everyone to watch, I don't know. I don't know if people want to watch us for 45 minutes, but online, we'll see. Well, at least you know you have it there, you know? You could just put it out on a whim. Yeah. yeah. No, it's nice to have, and I'm, I'm really glad we did it. And it's, it's, just, it's just so cool that a, a whole thing can develop from just one little spark, which was just a conversation. Karen and I, she's like, well, you should do it online. Video, I'm like, oh, online videos. I'm like, so we'll just put a camera up, and she's like, yeah. I'm like, well, maybe in the studio, and we sort of talked about it and, and talked with uh, Katya and Andy and my band, and we all sort of were on board for it, and it sort of grew into this bigger thing, uh, and, and now here, here it is being released. So it's really cool. It wasn't planned at all. Katja and Andy are Katja Harrop and Andrew Pollock, who are longtime collaborators of yours, and Andrew is a co-producer with you, and they're core members of your band, The Dead Leaves. I should ask how that band got its name. Oh, well, you're going back now. I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, well, they're still playing with you, so it seems appropriate. Yeah, they are. I think it was the, the concept initially was I wanted a really long band name to piss off my record label. <laughs> One of those, Matt, Joe, Gow and the Deadly. Because initially at the time, my label were like, you can't have a band name. Because I've been playing around town as Matt, Joe, Gow, like in Melbourne a lot, like playing a lot of shows. And so when we signed, they were like, well, you've got to just put your name. And I'm like, well, no, because we're a band. Matt, Joe, Gow and the Deadly's like, that's too long. And I'm like, well, too bad. So that's sort of how that that relationship started, which I remember was was quite amusing. But uh, the actual band name, The Dead Leaves, I think for me it was just something that suited the music because it was something that has gone and has passed and has that bittersweet element, but it's still something that retains its beauty even though it's finished. Mm -hmm. And I like that concept. And I think that features in a lot of the songs, so it, it made sense. Mm -hmm. So when did you start working with Andrew? Uh, well, it's well over a decade now. Um, we He was on the first record and we'd, I'd done some demos with my fellow engineer, my buddy Chris, who engineers like all the records or at least most of the records. I was living with him in St. Kilda and we were just, we had a pedal steel player, but I needed a lead guitarist. So... It was back in the day where you could, it was like Mel Band or some sort of band place. And I just was like listing like a band listing like old country, something, something uh, like that on Facebook. I, I think it was, I think it was an actual website for musicians. And I think like, because nobody played old country, there were like two guitarists turned up. <laughs> so I was stuck with him. But, uh, <laughs> but he was, he was really good. Even like he, he was really good even from the get-go. Too good, actually, if anything. Like we had to we had to kind of sort of give him some more edges, I think, because he was just too schooled, if anything. Mm -hmm. uh, but that didn't take him long to loosen up his playing. And uh, and he's been uh, yeah, a core member and co-producer and uh, 
ever since. And with Katya, when did you start working with her? Well, interestingly enough, Katya is Andy's cousin. So, uh, younger cousin. So he'd been hiding her away and I think I'd done a song at Bill Chambers called Flowers in Your Hair, which is on this Woodshed Sessions actually. And she had, um, and we had Bill Chambers tracked, who's a friend of mine and, and obviously a great, great guy and massive legend in the country music scene here in Australia. And it was a duet with him, but as you know, the song Flowers in Your Hair, it's like a, it's like this romantic duet. So <laughs> we would, uh, there's me singing and then Bill has his voice. When I'm broken down and round away. Which is actually, that's a good Bill Chambers imitation, by the way. Um, he was singing the second verse. It was great. You know, Bill's always great. He knows how to fit in. But Andy was like, well, do you think it worked better with a female voice? And I'm like, uh, I guess so. This is Bill Chambers, man. Like, come on. He's like, yeah, but I've got this great idea. I'm like, okay. So he's like, my cousin. And I thought, you can't be just, just going to bring your family into the band, man. That's not, that's not cool. I was like, uh, I was a little hesitant. So I didn't actually meet her. Uh, and he just tracked her voice. Then I heard it. And, and like anyone who hears that song, it, she, I thought, wow, where have you been hiding this girl? And then he was like, well, she's only like 19. I'm like, oh, okay. So she was probably like 10 when we were playing. That's where she'd been hiding, right? So, um, so she immediately started singing with us and been singing with us ever since. So that was on Seven Years record, Break Her Own Roll record, Between Tonight Tomorrow, sings on all of them in Shipwreck, uh, which is on this Woodshed Sessions, has sort of become a complete duet, which interestingly enough, it was, when I wrote it, it was a duet. And then it was Andy who was like, I'm not sure it's a duet. Like, I think we should take Kachi's voice off. It doesn't work for me. And, uh, you know, and he's very objective, obviously, because that's his cousin. Of course, he loves her very much, put her on anything. I'm like, no, I think she sounds good. Really? And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, why don't you just put our voices together? I'll sing on the second verse like you want, but let's not take her off and it'll just have us singing together. And I think he thought that yours is just a scratch vocal. You didn't sing what she sung. It's just going to be random. And I'm like, yeah, but that's cool. That's a ragged album. And then you can hear if you listen to Shipwreck on Between Tide Tomorrow, we're not in time. We're just both kind of singing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think it came up real cool. But then in the Witchhead sessions, I'm like, well, we'll do it how I initially envisioned it. And, and she'll just sing this like a duet. Yeah. Well, thanks for preempting my question about Shipwreck. That's great. I can't ask that now. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm on both sides. So, Matt, how did you? Well, <laughs> fancy you asked that, Matt. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but it does, it does prompt another question, which is, do you often let Andrew win arguments about these things? Oh, definitely. You know, like I think you're only you're, you're much better when you are able to be open to people you trust opinion. You got to find the people you trust, right? Like that's hard. Like it's hard to find people who are on the same wavelength, people who really get what you're trying to do. But if you can find them, then you should listen to them. I mean, we disagree as well, and like there are moments mixing all our records where. There are instances where he'll say, I don't think this, and I'll say something else. And we have an engineer who chimes in. I mentioned earlier, Chris, it's usually the three of us, so that we have two to one. Um, but then if it's those two versus me, sometimes I do say, no, trust me, trust me, guys. 
and I'll go, oh, okay. But usually, like, if Andy is, feels real strongly on something, I'll, I'll definitely entertain it. And uh, quite often I'll, I'll change my mind, yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I think so. I think it's, it just makes for better music. You know, I think when you're producing your own records, you have to be very aware of trying not to be too subjective. Mm -hmm. It's very important for self-produced artists. Less so when you're an artist being produced by someone else, because that someone else brings immediate objectivity. Mm -hmm. But when it's you producing yourself, if you are unable to be objective, then it's it's going to be it's going to be a mess. It is a hard practice though, because you almost have to step back from yourself and and develop an idea of yourself as an artist from a producer's point of view. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine there are times when you, as a producer you're at odds with yourself as an artist. Like you kind of got to bring yourself, pull yourself into line or something like that or make decisions as a producer that as an artist you may not have made or maybe not. I don't know because I'm not an artist or a producer. Yeah, there's, it, it's definitely different self-producing. Uh, and I think you develop a knack for it. But I mean, like any musician, you understand your instrument and how you sing and how you perform. Uh but I, I rely on those guys as well. So when I'm tracking vocals, for instance, Andy or Andy and Chris will be in the other room. And like, if those two give a thumbs up, I'm pretty confident that it, that it sounded all right. Um, but also in the way that we record, and as you know, with these records, they're pretty raw. I don't, like all the work is done in pre-production. Mm. So that when we go in there, you just find that performance. Uh, for the, for the most part. So it's not, so when I'm doing the pre-production, that's when all the discussion's happening. Mm -hmm. This is how we're gonna approach this, how I'm gonna sing this, how this is gonna happen, I'm thinking this. And so then when I'm in the studio, it's it should be sort of second nature by then, yeah. Mm -hmm. And given that you and Andrew and Katja have performed together for so long and you and you trust them, is there a sense that, that there's a lot that's unspoken between you now as performers? So when it came to recording this, did you even need to rehearse much? Was there much that needed to be talked about beforehand? No, yeah, and I've, I've, I'm not sure people are aware, but we don't rehearse at all. Those those two are amazing, amazing performers. I used to rehearse all the time when I started out. I had a band, this band initially, and we just, every day we were rehearsing. Um, but, you know, we didn't quite have... Uh, you know, we had a drummer at the time, didn't quite have the abilities of our drummer these days. And we were more just trying to get to a, a space that that we probably couldn't attain. But we just kept trying and trying and trying and practicing, practicing, because that's what we did. But now having these musicians who I've used for years and they're really just as good as it gets. So uh, they might practice a little bit on their own. Maybe if we haven't, if I've been on tour with someone else, I'll come back, maybe we'll do one rehearsal and then roll into it but I think yeah if I'm if I'm correct we definitely didn't rehearse the acoustic sessions because I mean these are songs that some of them we've been playing for over a decade and then between tonight and tomorrow we'd only just toured it in 2023 so um I was pretty confident that we could pull it off <laughs> but you know the proofs in the pudding people can listen to it and see what they think of us live because it's live it's one take yeah like, right truth is just all one take
Well, it does. You have pulled it off, Matt, I'm here to tell you. Um, I'm interested in what you just said, though, about when you were rehearsing with the band, trying to reach a space you couldn't attain. So mm. almost like a like a surfer searching for the perfect wave. I don't know. Like is it that sense of of, of a place you're going to reach in, in rehearsal, in performance that keeps you striving? Well, when I first started out with this band, we just didn't have all the players that were technically up to the job. Um they all had their unique uh, talents that they brought to the table, but they weren't, they didn't have the abilities that the crew that I have now have. And I've been lucky enough to be working with all of them for quite some time. So, you know, but you, you're loyal to your friends and you just keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. And, and I think we did a pretty good job, but we had to work really hard mm-hmm. to at that level whereas now like the drummer i have daniel he he plays in like five or six bands great americana bands and so he's always ready to go um and the same with uh, andy culture so it's a lot easier in that sense but i think when we do rehearse it's it's for a record it's like we get together for pre-production and that's a lot of fun but going over songs that we've been playing for years i almost like a little bit of looseness that can come back in from people maybe not quite remembering their parts and just having to be on their toes. That puts that fire and that spark back into songs with band members who've been playing with for years. I would imagine for you and Katra as well, you can still surprise each other with your harmonies maybe because if there is a bit of looseness there. It's like, well, what's going to emerge today? Well, Katra is such a great singer. She actually doesn't sing a part on record all the time. She'll change it quite a lot actually. And and she'll do it really well. She'll do it really well. So when you see her live, she she changes it. She's such a great singer. Uh, and uh, and Andy's great because he'll play the solos from record because you want you're like I want that solo from Shipwreck. You know, yeah. don't change it all. And he's pretty good like that. He could just whittle all over the place, but he does the solos because he realizes people want to hear the solo. Yeah. Well, yeah, there are certainly very identifiable solos in some of your songs or or hooks, refrains, whatever, that if he yeah. if he did not play, there would probably be mutiny. Um, now, when I spoke to you about Between Tonight and Tomorrow, the album last year, you talked about the fact that your voice was more prominently mixed on that album than on previous albums. And, of course, on the Woodshed sessions, it's more prominent still. Do you think that means you're embracing being a singer more than you used to? Yeah. I just want to hear myself more and, more <laughs> I uh well I guess with the woodshed sessions because it's acoustic first of all there's just acoustic guitars maybe mandolin piano and so there's less going on right so when you're mixing the vocals are going to have more space sort of naturally right so if you're burying a vocal under two acoustics you've probably done something wrong so there's <laughs> that first of all whereas if you listen to uh my album break rattle and roll some of that's 11 piece, you know, it's got saxophone, electric guitar, another electric guitar, acoustic guitar, drums, bass, uh, piano, et cetera, et cetera. So because of that, I think to turn your voice up really loud, it just takes away from the whole thing. It sounds fake. It doesn't sound like a band. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a karaoke <laughs> song. So it didn't really work. I, I sort of try to mix how I think best will suit the song and the vibe we're trying to get across. And I think with Between Tonight and Tomorrow, we're trying to get across 
the, the, the concept of, of the themes that we've talked about in previous interviews of loss and time and uh, life, rebirth, all these themes. And that was best, the vehicle for that was best coming through one man, one person with his guitar singing to you. And then this is helping that person send you the message. Mm -hmm. So that's what that record was doing. I guess with the woodshed sessions, uh, in the way that there's less instrumentation, first of all, that will bring the voices to the fore, not just my voice, but the other two as well. Uh, and also there's a fair bit of the Between Tonight Tomorrow record on there. So mm -hmm. uh, I think it was, it was probably a conscious effort to mix it in a way that sort of resembles a bit of that sound. But there are no songs from Break, Rattle and Roll on it, so I'm wondering... You know, I, I was wondering if you picked that up. Yeah, I noticed that afterwards. I'm like, oh, shit, we did leave. Well, because we've released an acoustic version of Light My Way, which is off that record, so we'd already done that, so that would be an obvious choice, but I can't go re-releasing... But We Get Lost might have worked, just suggesting. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. I probably, and again, that comes back to it being, it was initially just a show for my fans. It was performance live in studio. We didn't overthink it. If I'd really sat down and nutted it all, like, okay, we need to think, I would need one from Break, Crown and Roll and one, yeah. but it was just like a bunch of songs. What's one from that record? What's a cool one that'll do this? And we sort of mm. rolled with it. Uh, but, you know, for people listening, that's why, I put Between Tonight Tomorrow Reprise and the remix on the CD. Hmm. Those are on the CD for people who ask for them on the CD because Closer to Tomorrow EP was just uh, digitally released. So I chucked those on there as well. I realize we haven't got a break right around, so I'm out there. It's not like that record won a Music Victoria Award or anything. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, you may have already answered this question just with talking about how you're choosing the songs, but... Um... I was interested in the song order because the, the Windshed session starts with just this one, which is the penultimate track on Between Tonight and Tomorrow, and it ends with Till My Whole Heart Burst, which is also from that album. And mm. I don't think there's much, so much as an, an arc between them as there's like a set of waves. You sort of start more subdued and more introspective. And then this recording of Till My Whole Heart Burst is actually really expansive and uplifting and you you build it in a way that the the, the studio version from last year it's different to, to it's quite different, isn't it? I, I just remembered like we do like an outro on this one, mm. and it, it's like if you were looking, if you knew the Between Tonight Tomorrow record and you saw the track list, and you're like, Why did he put some whole heart verse last? That's like a bit of a foot tapping, and yeah. it's like, Ah, but we changed it, so it's nice that you noticed the track listing actually. So I imagine that, that, yeah, that was, given that you had an outro on that song, there was that conscious building towards it with because you have Between Tonight and Tomorrow reprise rendition of In the Middle of It. Um, right, so, yeah, yeah, it kind of builds, comes down a little bit and goes back up again. I imagine that was quite deliberate. It, it was. Well, I'll tell you, trivia, um, just this one was initially meant to be track one on Between Tonight and Tomorrow. I, right up until the end, it was most to be, it was meant to be track one. It was meant to open the record because it was meant to be two minutes and just this raw, like, it's one take. It's me and a guitar. It's a very angry song. It's, it's tracked quickly. I don't listen to the song and it was just done. It was meant to be exposed and show people, oh, this record's going to be really honest and raw. Uh, 
but it we felt that shipwreck with with the band sound and the kind of rattling of the opening chord it just it just worked as a as an opener it was a really cool opener so it got shifted back in the record to where it could find a place uh, so then when we tracked this version of just this one which is completely different and i think one of the most different songs on this record right in terms of from its uh, origins i wanted to finally put it first and again with the original concept show people that this record was going to be a bit different to what they maybe thought like they thought oh we're just going to get matt strumming his guitar a bunch of times on his own singing those songs it's how, you know like how boring is that so i was like no this is a harmonica over a piano and i got a review from a harmonica magazine the other day message like oh it's so cool having a piano and a harmonica i'm like i know <laughs> doesn't happen that much right maybe stevie and elton john but like you don't you don't really hear it that much so i thought it was just cool to have a piano wailing harmonica a song that you know was really raw and then and then to be done in this kind of soulful way yeah. so i thought it'd be really interesting to to open the record and uh, yeah and hopefully those waves that you talk about i mean that's the idea right like you want to be going up and down and feel like you're on a bit of a journey. If it just goes like this or like this, it's a bit predictable, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I'm still stuck on the fact that you almost started Between Tonight and Tomorrow with just this one. That would have signified quite a different album. It would have. If you listen to records, you know, one through ten, which which I love to do, I think it, I think it really would. But I think what stopped it was it ended up being a little bit long. It was meant to be... You know, at the start of Go Ahead Celebrate, I have this intro, mm. kind of a young-inspired sort of intro. Uh, and so we put that before Go Ahead Celebrate. So just this one was meant to be only like that length, like one minute, two minutes. And I guess I got on the mic and I just went on a bit long. <laughs> and so we're like, oh, well, we have to give this a place later on the record. It, it doesn't just get straight into the album. Right. Um, yeah, because the... They are very different versions. Um, so, and speaking of different versions, uh, there's my snappy segue. Between Tonight and Tomorrow reprise rendition um, that appears in the middle of the Woodshed Sessions, you release the reprise recording on the Closer to Tomorrow EP. And that I, that seem, now seems like a bridge between Between Tonight and Tomorrow, the album, and the Woodshed Sessions. But given the timing of everything, it doesn't sound, seem like that was intentional, that you were like, oh, I'm going to put out this reprise version, then I'm going to have this acoustic album or was it intentional that there was a, a bridge there between those projects it definitely wasn't intentional i mean as we mentioned closer to tomorrow was an epilogue to that record and when we released the reprise version twin tight tomorrow and it became quite popular uh for for myself and, and the band i think that when we came to the woodshed sessions like okay well this, you know, this works really well, acoustic, so we'll deliver the sort of closer to the reprise type of version because the original obviously has the drums and all that sort of stuff. And interestingly enough, because Couch is playing the piano on that, uh, she was the one who inspired the reprise. We were playing it for the first time at a venue, I think Music on the Hill, it was called, a really cool venue here in Victoria. 
And we were trying to figure out how to do Between Tonight and Tomorrow, the song. So Andy and I just started that finger picking stuff and it was Kachi who was like, oh, that's beautiful. I'm not, I'm not even gonna play on that. You should do like, that's amazing. And um, we were like, oh, okay, well, that's great that she thinks that. And she was like, yeah, it's really, really good. So we started playing it like that and people reacted. And, and so it was her that really inspired us to go on and, and, and give that rendition of the song that eventually you know, was recorded properly. I should say the reason why I'm referring to the version of the song that's on the Woodshed Session as the reprise rendition is because it is not the same recording as the one that's on Close to No, it's not. It's not. So, yeah, for those who buy a CD, I did put the official reprise at the end because people wanted it. But the one that, which interestingly enough, is live anyways. It's not like 20 takes. But the one in the middle of the Woodshed Sessions, for any confusion, is just a part of that show. We just went from one song to the next song to the next song. And that's in the middle and we played it uh, we played it there and it's uh it's one take like the rest of it yeah mm -hmm. now grand ambition is the single yeah. um, did you choose that song uh again like we were sitting there on the and this is what's cool there was no rehearsal we were sitting there just before the show and we thought why don't we play grand ambition it, really the the album with things like why don't we do flowers in your hair oh no oh yeah should we and we just did it and the same grand ambition. Why don't we do that? Okay. So we were having, we're playing it. And I think it was Katya who felt like the rhythm would be better in the way that it's, that it is now that we've changed it to. And it's like a really soulful, slowed down, grooving rhythm. And I thought again, it was one of the more, one of the songs that we changed more. From the original. The original is more that 70s, sparkly, Americana, Jackson Brown-esque moving you know, song. And this one is, is more of an acoustic, almost uh, southern Black Crowsy vibe. Uh, and I just was really happy with it. That, and it, it just, we captured us having a discussion, changing the song, playing it, and that's it in one take. And that's kind of what the whole record's about. It's just capturing a moment. Because mm -hmm. uh, it was never meant to be released. It was just a bunch of people who've been playing together for a long time, decided to do something for the fans, had a bit of a chat about how the songs were going to go, played them, and ended up being pretty happy with the results, so we released it. That's really all it was. A happy confluence of events, one might say. Yeah, and just again trusting your musicians who you like, I just trust Katya. She's got good ideas. She said, "Why don't we try it like this?" And I'm like, "So like this?" And she's like, "Yeah, like that." And I'm like, "Cool, okay, well, that sounds cool." Let's let. So how would the singing work? And I remember because then we get into the bit where it's like, "I ain't a man of grand and that bridge," uh, but here's what I want. Here's what I want. And I sort of like, "How's that going to work with the timing?" So we had to go. No, we've got to go like this, like this. And they're like, oh, okay, so, yeah. And so I'm having to, like, we're having to sort of look at each other because we're like, the timing's totally changed. Right. And uh, things like that are fun, like really fun, you know, when you get it right. 
I know you play quite a few of your older songs when you play live just as yourself acoustically um, and obviously with Andrew and Katja or even some of your more recent songs. I'm wondering in the performance of them and perhaps even in the recording of this and the mixing of it, are there aspects of those songs that surprise you as the writer where there's there are sort of layers to the story that you're recognising for the first time that might have emerged subconsciously when you were first writing and recording? I'm more surprised when I hear the original song again. Right. That's more surprising because songs evolve long past when you track them and they keep evolving. They never really stop, certainly if they're part of a live set. Hmm. So when I go back and hear Steady Life or I Let You Be from the Messenger record, hmm. whilst I'm proud of that record, I just I hear that moment in time and I'm like, oh, oh right, we didn't, so we didn't do that and we didn't do that and we played it like that. And I'm like, oh, okay, gee, I, okay. And it sort of, that is more a surprise, I think. When I play the songs now, I'm surprised we're still playing them. <laughs> so, and I'm surprised they still work, which is a really lovely surprise. Like, that's why I let you be as in the set because, I mean, you've been to the shows. And I would be playing that song and people would say, what record's that on? And I would sort of say, oh, maybe it's on that one. And they would buy the record and then they would message me, it's not on that record. <laughs> so I decided I'd better come clean. And so now when I play I Let You Be, I say, oh, look, it's not on any of those records. It's not impressed at the moment. Uh, you have to grab it digitally. So I think putting I Let You Be on this was, was really cool. So now I can say, here it is on this record. True, true. Well, yeah, and so that's on the first album. So the fact that people are still resonating with that, uh, that's really, yeah, I'm really touched by that. When you said you're surprised that you're still playing some of these songs, is that because you always presumed they'd have a shelf life? I hoped they'd have a shelf life. I definitely hoped that because I was trying to make music from the heart, even on the first record, I was very honest, and I'd hoped that if that connected with people then, that it would continue to. But I'm still surprised by it. I'm still surprised by it. And, and as I said, I'm, I'm touched by it. And I'm yeah, really proud of what, what we achieved all those years ago just on, on the first record. Now you have some longtime fans um, who I'm sure will give you feedback on your song selection. Is there anything you've left off the woodshed sessions that you anticipate being asked for? Yeah, yeah. Well, like you noticed, we, did, we didn't put anything from Break, Crowd and Roll on there, and I, I, that wasn't calculated. It's just the way that it sort of came about. You might have to do the woodshed sessions too sometime. Um, I think, you know, when you don't have sort of one massive uh, hit, you know, like uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure what sort of artist we'd be talking about, but one hit, one to people, then you have songs that are popular, but what's great is you get asked for all sorts of different songs. People listen to your whole catalog. And again, that, that's a wonderful thing. So I try to change my sets up and include different songs. And my band will tell you, sometimes I just throw songs in like a few days before and they'll be like, oh, all right, like just that they haven't heard. I like to do that, keep them on their toes. Uh, so I think on this one, we consciously tried to do a fair bit of Between Tonight and Tomorrow because that's where, our, where we were at the time. But we also wanted to go back and so 
as you mentioned, there's grand ambition from the Seven Years Record. There's flowers in here from the Seven Years Record. Uh, I'll actually be off the off the first album. And Steady Life is that on there? No, no, we didn't do. So that's one that I think people will be yeah a little pissed about. But uh, we'll we'll get to that one day, you know. And it's good to know that we have different songs that that people like. I think that's that's really cool. Well, the steady life can be the number one track on the Woodshed Sessions too. There you go. Yeah, yeah it's actually not a bad idea. We might do it. We might do it. Yeah. <laughs> now, you mentioned uh, at the top uh, that you're playing a show at George Lane in St Kilda on the 10th of February with Andrew and with Kutcher. Why that venue? That venue is really close to my heart. It's also close to my home address, which is wonderful. I can drive there in like 10 minutes. And as any musician will tell you, that's a wonderful thing pack up your home in like 20 minutes. But the venue is close to my heart. Good friends of mine run it. I've had some very special shows there. Solo, shows there with Karen, shows there with the band. Uh, usually in an acoustic setting, it works really well for that. So anyone in Victoria, Melbourne, who doesn't know about George Lane, to get along, whether it's my show or another show, it's a really, really hip venue. I, I love playing there. and I can't remember how many shows I played there, but it'll be a, it'll be a few. Mm-hmm. And so, will it just be you, you three, or are you having a support act? Yeah, we're, we're going to have a support, but then I thought, for that exact reason you mentioned, trying to get all the songs, because I'm touring so much with Karen in our duo this year, I think this February 10 show is my only Matt Jogals from the Dead Leaf show, maybe for the year, or at least the first half of the year. So, I wanted to be able to play two sets. So, we're going to do two sets and all that stuff that people would ask for that should have been on this acoustic live album, we'll try get that in the other set, perhaps. Well, and if you can record the show, then there's the second album. <laughs> yeah, I guess we can record the show, yeah. It's sort of like it just keeps going, right? It's, uh, it's Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you nicely set me up to ask about your project with Karen because you've released two singles already and you are working towards an album. So how is that going? What are the plans? It's great. We just I just finished mastering, mixing, mastering the record with Andy and Chris. Uh, that was last weekend. Well, a couple of weekends ago when I was in Illawarra Festival, I'd be playing a show, go back to the calm, headphones on, mix, go back, play. It was full on. But I'm really, really happy with how that's come up. That was a wonderful experience and, again, different to the Woodshed Sessions, different to Twenty Tomorrow. This was, I think, like six, seven people, uh, all acoustic again, but a different acoustic setup, mm-hmm. fiddle and uh, double bass and, uh, it, it, it's gonna, and mandolin. It's going to be really, really beautiful. I'm really excited for people to hear it. So the next single for that will be out in... I think late March. Yeah. With a music video and everything. <laughs> and I think the two of you made the music videos for the first two singles. Yeah, we made the music videos for the first two singles. We just made the, the one for this next single. Almost died. We were in a once-in-a-century storm in Lower Hut in a lighthouse on a cliff. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And houses were destroyed and we sort of thought this is normal weather and came down and had all these messages saying, are you alive? So that was crazy. But, yeah, looking forward to that that song. That, uh, that will be exciting. 
So it seems like you're, you know, you're on quite a run here. You had Between Tonight and Tomorrow out last year. Then you had the reprise version. Now you had the Woodshed Sheds Sessions. I shouldn't try to say that too quickly. And then the project <laughs> with Karen. Uh, so do you feel like there is this like a flourish of output, for lack of a better term? Maybe it's the trauma of uh, COVID uh, that has, has me run into release stuff because, as you mentioned, Between Tonight and Tomorrow, Closer to Tomorrow EP. This one, the one with Karen, it's a bit crazy, huh? Uh, I think there was definitely pent up and built up creativity from the downtime. And so I've just been catching up. Mm-hmm. I think we're almost caught up. Right. <laughs> yeah, we're almost caught up. I got, a, I got a couple other things in the pipeline. I got a track with Delaney Davidson that I'm looking to do, and I'm producing some other artists as well that I'm looking to get done over the next few months. But in terms of actual full albums, uh, no more surprise albums. That'll be, apart from the one with Karen, mm-hmm. that'll be me for 2024. And I can, I can you know, put the feet up and relax for a little bit. Uh, well, I'm touring in UK in July. So after that, I'll relax. Yeah. Right. Are you and Karen touring or just you? Just, that's me in the uh, UK. Yeah, just me toting my... A bag of records. Yeah. You want the Woodshed Sessions, Governor? Yeah. Well, man, no, I have a there and some shows. It'll, it'll be cool. And I also want to escape the Melbourne winter. Mm. Look, that's, that is fair enough. Um, <laughs> not that I've lived through one, but people tell me they're not great. No, they're long. Yeah. Well, um, I'm certainly enjoying the flourish of creative output. I'm sure other people are as well. They can catch you at George Lane on the 10th of February. Uh, You and Karen will no doubt be playing some dates in support of that album and with announcements to come in due course. But in the meantime, the Woodshed Sessions, they can go and listen to. And it's been lovely as always to talk to you. All right. Till next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.